0: I'm delighted to be here. I do remember the call, but boy, time flies, because I didn't realize that it was <clears throat> 11 years ago. <laughs> I used to love to speak to groups, and then as you get older, I don't know, when you're younger, you're in, just invincible. You know, it's what it is. That's my daughter-in-love's, we call him daughter-in-love, not daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law's favorite saying is, it is what it is. Well, I've been preparing ever since I talked with Sherry, and my husband wants you to know that it's a good thing that you're having retreat now because, he says, you'd be there all day. You just keep adding, I know, but I hear things, and I think, oh, they would like to know this, whether that's true or not, but I am so glad to be here. I have prayed for you. Boy, did I pray for you yesterday. (laughs) I didn't know from whence you were coming. I just knew coming from Des Moines we went through rain, sneet, or sleet, or snain whatever you want to call it, and snow. And by the time we got here at 4.30, it was like, boy, are we glad we didn't have any farther to go. And then look what God did. I was worried about all of you, and that's a sin, I know. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to worry. I was concerned. That's, that's our politically correct way of saying we're worried. I want this to be interactive. So when I ask a question and pause, that's your turn. Because if you don't respond, it's going to be a long weekend. I don't want you to have to hear me talk all the time. So every once in a while, I want you to exercise. Because we know that ladies have lots of words. And I don't want you to not be able to use your words while we're here. It's going to be very practical. If we had the three pigs up here, I would be practical pig. And Sherry will tell you that. I like everything in order. I was a nurse. I still am a nurse. I just, for the first time, let my license be inactive. I thought I would never do that, but I did. I didn't like to work in the labor and delivery area. Mother number one would come in, two, three, four, and five. And guess who gets to go to delivery first? Number five. That didn't seem right to me. And then number three so I said, you know, I can't do that. They either have to stay in order (laughs) And they have to give us some time in between, or I'm not doing OB. So they suggested I not do OB. (laughs) And then I said, well, and I really don't like emergency room either, for the very same reason. You cannot schedule the accidents. They will not cooperate. So I said, no, that doesn't work for me. So I, I loved many, many aspects of nursing. My last 20 years were in endoscopy, and my poor mother said, honey, I'm just ashamed to tell people that you hurt people like that. I said, well, they're going to the wrong place because at our place they don't get hurt. So I'm practical. I want you to take away things that you can use. I don't like going to retreats and coming away and, and not feeling like there's anything that I could take home that I could put into practice. You know, James one twenty two says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. Unfortunately, many times we are like sponges as Christians. We just soak it up and soak it up and soak it up. And then God has to ring us out. We don't want that. I want us to be doers of the word. That's our new pastor. He just came in uh, last October. And that's one of his favorite verses. Don't just listen. Go do something. Well, I want you to have a plan that you'll be able to do that. Uh, My husband and I are avid readers. And... uh, We both now own iPads. Isn't that hysterical for old people like us? (laughs) I have 120 books on my Kindle. I just love it. I can't carry around those anymore. I'm too old to carry them. So I love that. But you're going to notice that I may refer to books, but you want to see, well, where did you get some of that information? On the last part of your notes gives you resources. Now, there's one that's missing and that's, I'll tell you about why it's missing, why it's brand new, and why you're just going to be glad we got here today and not two weeks from now, or I might have another 10 books that we're looking at. So with the notes, I want you to focus with me, not on me, but with me. And I want you to take as few notes as you, as you need, because I want you to really think about it as we're talking about it. I want you to think about it. I don't want it to be something that you take notes and then they go home and they just land in your drawer and you never do anything with them. So I want you to think about it with me. Let's talk to the Lord for just a minute before we start. Father God, you know my heart's desire is to share what you've given me. But I want it to be profitable to these ladies who have taken their time to come. Lord, we ask that you just Guide my mouth. I want the words that come out to be your words, not my words. I pray that this will be something that we can each use even tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I like for as I said, I like to plan, so I want you to be in on the plan so that you know what you can expect, or at least some of the things that you can expect. And part of that is we're what is our theme? Right, we're going to discuss that in three areas. And, you know, redeeming the time, I could have gone 20 different directions, but I knew I had to focus in. And for a number of reasons, these thoughts just kept coming to my mind. There are words that we don't say either often enough or they're not said appropriately. And because words are very important to us, God gave us his word Words that we read. I think it's important that we think about the words that we should say that we're not saying or that we're not saying appropriately. I'm going to be addressing those, that theme in three different areas. You have that in your notes. The first one is going to be on friends, and that's tonight. Tomorrow will be family and in our faith. You know, you're going to see a ribbon of phrases that are going to wind all the way through this retreat. There'll be a little bow here and there, but you're going to hear some of the same words. And the reason I'm doing that is because I think that when God speaks to us and he tells us one time, my husband always says, you better listen. And when he says it two times, you really better listen. And when he says it three times, heads up. Listen to what I'm saying. Why does God tell us so many times? That third time, he knows we didn't get it the first two times. And he knew ahead of time that we wouldn't get it. So as we think about these, and you're going to hear them again and again, that's the reason I want you to remember. Our theme verse is Ephesians 5.16. So if you have your Bible, if you want to turn to Ephesians 5.16. No, that's not right. Is that right, Sherry, 5.16? Okay, all right. I'm thinking, great, Glory. you're starting right out with the wrong verse. Here it is. Redeeming the time because the days are what? You know what that word means? Sick. Evil. What does that describe now? Does that describe the world that's around us? Absolutely, that describes the words that are around us. Let's also look at Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. I'll give you just a minute to get there. It says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are outside, redeeming the time. Let your what? Speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Well, when I say the word time... What words come to your mind? It's your turn. Clock. Clock, What else? More than clock. What? Schedules. Schedules. Oh, yes, schedules. What else? Hurry. Hurry. Just think. What's coming to your mind? Not enough. enough, Absolutely. Conflict. Conflict. Absolutely. What else? My mother said there would be times like this. Oh, no, that's not... Time. How many times do you say to yourself, I don't have time to do this? Some of those times we have to say, I didn't make time. Because you understand that time is very precious, and and guess what? It only comes around once. Aren't there times you'd like to do over? The older I get, I look back and I think, what have you accomplished for the Lord, Gloria? If, if, if I could go back, there are some parenting things I would change. I don't know that I could live through it again. But there are things that I would like to change how I parented. There are things I'd like to change how I was a wife in my early years. There are things that I'd like to change about working with patience. But God gives us one minute, one time. You know, we each have 24 hours, and we each have 1,440 minutes each day. You know, do you get to the end of the day and you think you didn't have time? But you know that was God's grace. If he gave us more than 24 hours, we would have killed ourselves. (laughs) Right? How many of you try to pack too much in 24 hours? I'm a list maker. I'm a really... I really like lists. <laughs> I have been known to do something and write it on my list so I could cross it off. <laughs> ah! Oh, there's see, There's got to be one in every crowd. All right. Yes, I'm a list maker. But you know, we need to think about how we're spending our 24 hours. Again, what does James one twenty-two say? Be ye what? And not only... Right, Do, not just listen. We listen, and we listen, and we listen, but then we don't do. I'm going to ask you another question. How many friends do you have? Oh, Facebook, I have lots. I don't even know them. At work, they made me join Twitter. I didn't know what Twitter was. I didn't see why a nurse had to join Twitter, but I did. I did just what they told me to do. And then I got on to see what is it I joined. 200 people were following me. I didn't know where I was going, and I certainly didn't want them following me. (laughs) And I didn't like some of the names that were on there because they weren't very nice names. So I called my supervisor. I said, you'll have to fire me. I'm getting off Twitter. Well, I wasn't the only one. Are they really friends? We're going to talk about friends at different levels. There are people that you meet and you say, hi, how are you? And why we do that, I don't know, because we really don't care. <laughs> but it's the polite thing to do, to say, how are you? Are those really friends? N- no, no. And then there's the level of friend that we might greet and we ask how they are and we do want to know how they are. And we, we might share some prayer requests that, that you wouldn't share the whole group of people, but something that's a little more personal, or we might share some more personal details, and that's a friend, but what I want to talk to you about are those people who are so special in your lives, we might call them best friends, and grammatically that's not right, because best is best is best, right? But maybe you are fortunate to have more than one lady friend that you can confide in, that knows you and walks in when the world walks out. Or knows all of your faults and still loves you anyway. That's the group of friends I want to talk about tonight. Maybe they're called close friends. So the words that I'm talking about are, are, are not really for these acquaintances unless they need to be. They might be for this other group of friends that you wouldn't tell them your deepest secrets. And I want to put a little parenthesis in here. God needs to be your best friend. And that's singular. Singular. I love the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All are what? Oh, he is our best friend. The next part of this parenthesis, if you're married, who should be your best friend? That husband needs to be your best friend. Well, Already we ladies are now down to third. (laughs) But does that demean that relationship that God allows you to have? God talks about friendship in the Bible. Friendship was important. Uh, In fact, I would like to have us look at um, at some different people who are best friends. Well, I guess you want to know what the words are first, don't you? (laughs) I love you. Now, you know, the world has tainted. They've destroyed, they have convoluted that phrase. Oftentimes, love you becomes the period at the end of the sentence. Is that the kind I'm talking about? No, I'm talking about an intentional to your close friends, I, I love you. You know, Proverbs 17, 17 doesn't say, a friend likes at all times. No, no. What word what, did God say? Look, okay. Oh, but, but Gloria, my friend knows that I love her. Really. And how might she know that? Well, she just knows. She has intuition. <laughs> Doesn't cut it. I believe God brings certain people into your lives, to our lives, for a very specific purpose. Now, some of you may have best friends from kindergarten. I didn't even get to go to kindergarten. We didn't have kindergarten. I'm 100. <laughs> I went to a one-room schoolhouse, believe it or not, and the reason I got to go is because the teacher had taught my dad, and there were five seats in the first row for first grade, and they only had four kids, and I knew how to count to ten. Now, go figure. <laughs> I don't, those are not my best friends here now when I'm 66. Have there been times when God brought somebody and they were your best friend for this block of time? Has that happened to you? It happens to a lot of us, especially in our world today. How many of you live in the town in which you were born? A few of you. Do you know in our schools in Des Moines, they don't even call it Grandparents Day anymore. You know why? There aren't any grandparents around. They've all moved all around. So I believe that God brings us friends, and maybe they move on, or maybe something happens, and they're not our best friend anymore. You know, God talks about best friends in the Bible. Let's see if you can help me with some of these. The first one is David and Jonathan. Is that who came to your mind? Boy, best friends. He nearly took an arrow for him. I haven't asked my friends to do that yet. In our world today, how do you think they view David and Jonathan? Hmm? Crazy. Crazy. Gay. Gay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that because the world is just, they've just mutilated that phrase, I love you. We're afraid to show our sisterly affection, which in the Bible it's brotherly, but for today it's sisterly. We're afraid to do that because it might look a little odd. Anybody know like that? You understand what I'm talking about? David and Jonathan expressed their love. In fact, I have it written down here that um, it was in 1 Samuel. He says, I like (laughs) you. No. He told him he loved him. He knew that Jonathan had almost given his life for him. I love you. And then there's Elizabeth and Mary. They were, they were what, family? But, were they friends? Yeah, you find out you're going to have a baby, and you're not married, and it's the Son of God. And who did she run to? Mama sent her to Elizabeth. Boy, they must have been close. Because what do you think would have happened if she'd stayed in town? She'd been stoned to death. Right, So Elizabeth was there to meet that need. And then Naomi and Ruth. Now, Naomi and Ruth started as family by, by marriage. But what happened? They both lost their husbands. Were they even really related anymore? No. But what did Ruth do? Your people are going to be my people, Naomi. I love you, Naomi. I'm going to go where you go. I can't believe she didn't put her arms around her mother-in-law, who was just devastated and said, I love you. I love you. That agape, I love you. Whatever is best for you, I love you. And then think about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Who, who were there? Who was, they had a friend. Who was that? Jesus. He had friends, too. And then I think of James and John. Do You think those were friends? They were closer, weren't they? Closer than the brother. And then what about Lydia? Lydia was a friend. You know, I know in my life I've had people come into my life and stay for a season, and I needed them so badly. Larry and Judy Ladwig were a couple that were probably 10 years older than us age-wise, but I think 20 years older than us wisdom-wise. I think God put them in our lives. We were struggling with a two-and-a-half-year-old, and they cared enough to risk our friendship by coming to us and saying, it looks like you might be having some difficulties and that you're frustrated with Paul. Yes? <laughs> well, we have a little booklet that really helped us, Children, Fun or Frenzy, and now I think it's, I don't even know if it's still in print, Children Under Loving Command. They risked the friendship enough to challenge us. We weren't doing well as parents. We needed help. She also taught me how to be frugal. I I knew how to do cranberry everything because it went on sale. Did I ever stop and say to her, Trudy, I really love you as a friend. I really do. No. Did they know we loved them? No. Do you know when they found out? When they moved away. And we were bereft. And I can remember I just was sobbing. I am going to miss you so much because she was a mentor to me. I needed her in my life. My husband was gone. He was at Bible college, and he worked 40, 11 hours every week. I needed that guidance, but God brought her into my life. But I never told her until she was ready to leave. And David and Naomi DeLeon Young couple, they met in our church. We, we weren't really a matchmaking service, but we certainly did have some good success. <laughs> they met in our church, got married in our church. And we had this special bond with them. Yes, we do love college students. I will tell you, they're one of my favorite groups of people. I absolutely love working with college students. Then they moved away, but every time we go to see them, do you ever have friends that you just push pause And then when you get there, you push pause again. And it says what? It's as though there was never any time in between. David still calls my husband pastor. He's a pastor. And he still calls my husband pastor. When we get to see them, there's no, there's unabashed, absolute, we're not embarrassed at all. David, Naomi, we love you. We love how you're raising your children. Thank you for being a part of our lives. Do we get to see them very often? No. Once every one to two years. But we love them. They were brought into our lives for a reason. And I'm going to tell you about another couple of girls, and you'll know one of them. Holly and Heather. Mm -hmm. Heather Boyd. Holly. Ooh, what was her name before? Holly. Yes, that's it. Holly Myers. See, that's what happens when you get this age... It goes around the merry-go-round. Sometimes you can't grab it off fast enough. <laughs> Holly and Heather met in college. Yep. They came to our church. We support Holly's mom and dad. Uh, they're missionaries. And Heather and Holly didn't have sisters. I'm telling you, you would have thought that they had cut, slit their wrists, and they were blood sisters, I'm telling you. They were closer than a lot of sisters I've seen. And now... Heather is in the Netherlands. Do you think it changed their friendship? Do they tell each other that they love each other? Yes, they do. They God brought them together to meet that need. And then Rob and Tina were our first associate and pastor first associate first associate pastor and wife. And that's been many, many years ago. They're the kind of friends, hit the pause button hit it again and together. Rob has no problem coming up to my husband and putting his arms around him and saying, you know, Pastor, I love you. You're one of the best friends I've ever had. Do we get to talk every day? No. So does best friends mean you have to be together every day? No. Best friends, you have to pray together every day? No. But the words I love you are not spoken enough. Well, Gloria, I, you know, I'm just shy. I, you know, I really can't say those words. All right, I'll give you that. Mister Rogers says there are many ways to say. I see how old I am. You don't even know who that is, do you? Some of you young ladies. Kick off the shoes and put on the cardigan. Yeah, I can't do that anymore either. I'll end up on my backside up here. There are other ways to tell your friend that you love her. Maybe you need to put it in writing. Maybe your close friend, your special friend, that that loves you and you love her, but you just don't feel you can say it. Does she collect something special? If you saw that little something and gave it to her, would she know that you love her? I still think the best words are, Not the mushy, gooey stuff that's on television. I love you. I love you because you're a godly influence in my life. I love you because you know all about me and love me anyway. I love you. Those are the first set of words that we're going to talk about. And then the next, oh, I guess I should uh, miss that whole page. Your best friend, we said, should be who? God. Do you tell him you love him? He's told us over and over. He loved us so much that he did what? He sent his what? His, how many though? Only. Only. Unique. And another thing, this is, you know, I'm sorry, Sherry, but these things just happen; They just come through. Another thing that really irritates me is when people say that's really unique. No, it is not. It's unique or it is not. Unique, one of a kind, because that's what the word means. Unique, one of a kind son. And he tells us, this is his love letter to us. I'd like to see you write a love letter this big. It's his love letter to us. He wants us. He wants to hear from us that, that we love him. He asked Peter, what did he ask Peter? Do you like me? What did he ask him? Do you love me? Now we know that God already knows. Our daughter reminded us of that. We were in a very small church, our first church in Rhinebeck. <coughs> oh, I'm sorry, that thing I couldn't cover it. Sorry, <laughs> figure out where it is to cover it. Our daughter didn't like pot roast. And I knew she didn't like pot roast, but we were in a small church and we wanted to make sure if somebody visited that we could bring them home with us for dinner and we didn't have time bake. And so pot roast was the easiest thing to put in the oven, right? Because you can make it go a long way. Our daughter had learned that daddy usually had three points. And so usually on the third point because she kept track. She looked up at me and she said, and, and this was not just one time. We always sit in the front row. Go downstairs. Krista, now we've talked about this. What should your attitude be? That I, at least I have something to eat. <laughs> I had something a little more in mind. Krista, we, we don't shout out in church that we hate pot roast. <laughs> That's being disobedient because mommy's already talked with you about this. And so, okay, she's sorry. We go through that. I said, now let's talk to God about it And this one Sunday. I'll never forget. She looked at me. She says, I'm not going to tell him. Why have to remind him? He already knows. <laughs> yes, God knows that we love him or don't love him. But we need to make sure that we are telling him. And with that, oh, this is the book that my son-in-love out in Colorado, uh, Ohio, I only have one in Ohio, I, we had the privilege of being in on their teen meeting that they have on Wednesday nights, and they were going through this book, Crazy Love. Any of you know the book? Crazy Love. Well, I got so excited, and I just thought this was such a wonderful book, and my sweet son-in-love came home, and he said, so, Mom, were you able to get that book online? Because I was trying to get it as fast as I could because I thought, this goes with the retreat. And I said, no, I can't get it there in time. And he, so he was standing like this, so he gave me a book. So I want to read this part to you about love. This is by Francis Chan. I haven't read the whole book, so I don't know if I'm going to like the whole book, but I'm going to tell you the parts that I've really loved so far. Most Christians have been taught in church or by their parents to set aside a daily time for prayer and scripture reading. It's what we are supposed to do, and for so long a time, it's what I valiantly attempted. When I didn't, I felt guilty. Over time, I realized that when we love God, we naturally run to him, frequently and zealously. Do you run to God frequently and zealously? Zealously means lots of energy. Then he goes on and he talks about about fear, and he says, Fear is no longer the word I use to describe how I feel about God. Now I use words like reverent intimacy. I still fear God, and I pray I always will. The Bible emphasizes the importance of God, and I pray that I will understand that. But for running to my father, it's like my little girl running out to the driveway to hug me each night before she, because she loves me. Do I have to have a quiet time in order to tell him I love him? I don't have an appointment. I can tell him any time I love him. He's my best friend. He needs to hear I love you. And then the next set of words are, please forgive me. And I know there's this little... I love those little conversation bubbles up there. And I can just see somebody saying, I didn't come here to hear all this. Please forgive me. That means I've done something wrong. That would be right. Have you ever offended or hurt your close friends? Was it more often actions or words? What do you think? Actions? Words. I'm going to go with that answer, good answer, but the other one's good too. You know, women have a lot of words to use. You know, God gave us a bigger inventory than men. If you don't believe that, at night when he comes home, he's already used up his total inventory. Unfortunately, you have not. And you think it's like manna. If I don't use it today, I'll lose it. (laughs) But do you know what happens? We have so many words that the tongue gets going down the highway before the brain was started. You know that little ditty of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a bald-faced lie. You know, words are like toothpaste. Have you ever tried to put toothpaste back into the tube? It's not going to work. And you know, it's the same thing when they have come out. I mean, I was on the microphone. I was hoping I hadn't said anything. When the words come out, can you put them back? More friendships are fractured because of Words. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians four twenty-nine. Ephesians four twenty-nine. I want to read these verses to you. They're very special verses to me. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of what do you have in your Bibles? Edifying. What does that word mean? Building up. Right. That it may minister what? Grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, by whom ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And become, or be ye kind, one tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. There's a little tape, and that tells how old I am, too. It's cassette tape. Young ladies, it's a thing that goes like this. (laughs) By Florence Littauer. How many of you have heard of her? And if I say it, you may have heard of the tape, Silver Boxes silver boxes. I'm going to give it just a really short paraphrase. And I really am talking as fast as I can because that clock just, time, just keeps <laughs> moving on. Florence Littar was visiting and in her denomination where she was visiting, they had somebody give a, a little children's sermon. All the children would come up to the front of the church and they give a sermon. And they She was just a visitor, just minding her own business, and somebody said, well, we would like for you to come up and give the children's sermon. Now, how would you like that? You're visiting someplace, and boom, there you are. You're the speaker. So she came up, and she's trying to prepare this on her row. I have no idea how long that aisle will have been, but it would have been a lot too short for me to prepare it. But she came up there, and she read this verse, and she said, it's, it's kind of like this. We're not supposed to tear down another person's blocks. I like that. And she was explaining about building words and and how it was to administer grace to the hearer, and she's explaining all this. And then there's this brilliant little girl who stands up and turns around and faces the whole congregation. She says what she's really trying to say. Our words should be like silver boxes with bows on top. One of our college girls made me a little a little wooden box, and she painted it silver and put a bow on top. I still have it. That's a reminder to me that I need to watch my words. And maybe it was actions. Somebody else said actions. Maybe it was actions. Bottom line, I have offended my friend. I know I have offended my friend. Sometimes I may not know, but I'm talking about right now. I know my words, my actions hurt my close friend what should be my response? Ask for what? Why is it hard for us to do that? Prideful, yes. Well, Gloria, she knows I'm sorry, really. She is really clairvoyant, this friend of yours. Saying I'm sorry, please forgive me is biblical, is it not? I believe it's in Matthew 5. I don't know if I can go say that. She's your close friend. She has stuck by you. You can't go say to your, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm not going to tell you that it will repair your friendship because it may not. Sometimes words are so hurtful that it may not. We'll get to her side in just a minute. But we'll certainly, who do we need to talk about it? And Krista would say, I'm not going to remind him, he already knows. But what does First John 1, 9 tell us? If we confess, mm-hmm, he's what? Faithful. Faithful, and he's just, and he will do what? Faithful. That's right. So now we're going to turn the tables a little bit. And now, if you thought I was meddling, I'm really going to meddle now. Please forgive me. Mm. And that was the forgive me. What follows? I forgive you. That's even worse. That's even harder. Because you see, I'm not really angry, I'm hurt. Unfortunately, it kind of looks the same, doesn't it? We think it's okay to be hurt. We think it's okay to be hurt and not be angry. That's that's our politically correct way as a Christian. No, it's wrong. When somebody comes to me and asks for forgiveness, what must I do according to the Bible? Once, right? Oh, not really. What does it say in the Bible? That's a lot of forgiving. Right? It's a lot of forgiving. Do I have a choice, really? If I want want my fellowship with the Lord to be sweet, do I have a choice? No. I need to say, yes, I'm willing to forgive you. Now let's talk a little bit about forgiveness. True forgiveness means I don't bring it up to myself. I don't bring it up to my friend. I don't bring it up to God ever again. That's true forgiveness. How hard do you think that is? Because every time you see her, Satan wants to say, yeah, remember what she did? She's not a very good friend, is she? Forgiveness is different than trust. Do you understand the difference? Forgiveness must be given freely. Forgiveness cannot be earned. Forgiveness needs to be given without hope of return of anything else. When I ask you to forgive me, and then you say, I forgive you, the slate is clean. But trust has to be earned. I can forgive somebody, but they have to earn my trust back. We'll talk about this when we get into family. When friends continually do the same thing over and over and over and over again, I'd like to tell you that you can just say, fine, I'm not going to forgive you. But that's not what the Bible says. And we don't want to say, I forgive you. That, that's, you just mentioned the other time, prideful. I'm prideful. What would happen if you came to God and he says, oh, I'm not going to forgive you this time? Is that what God's word says he will do? If we what? (coughs) Confess our sins. He is what? And just to what? And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If I'm not willing to say, I forgive you, I have just elevated myself higher than God. And who left you in charge to do that? You are putting yourself above Well, I know, but you don't realize, Gloria, you have no idea how she hurt me. No, I don't. But God does. And who gives you the ability to forgive? That comes from God, doesn't it? I forgive you. And we have to mean it. I don't know if your children ever did this. And now, looking back, this is one of those things I should have done differently. Now, Krista, you need to say you're sorry for slamming your brother's head. Sorry. I didn't teach forgiveness very well, evidently. Or, Paul, can you tell your sister you're sorry for looking at her? Do you ever have that in your house? He's looking at me. (laughs) In defense of both my children, we did discipline Krista sometimes when it should have been Paul because it took us a while to figure out that Paul was the instigator. She was like in a basketball game. The first person fouls, the referee sees the second one. Yeah. Yeah. I have to truly forgive. I can't just say, fine, you're forgiven. That's, that's not going to restore my relationship with that person. And it's certainly not going to restore my relationship with the Father. Because you see, when you and I are at odds, if you're my friend, you and I are at odds, that interferes with my relationship. I'm not redeeming the time. I'm wasting time. You see, you don't know how much time you have. You realize that? You don't know how much time. I don't know how much time I have. Are you ready? This is what they were talking about at at Teens, and I loved it so much. As a pastor, I'm often called upon when life vanishes like a mist. Where did we just hear that tonight? In the song that you brought. You didn't know that I was going to use this. Oh, isn't that neat how God does that? One of the most powerful examples I've seen of this was Stan Gerlach. A successful businessman who was well-known in the community, Stan was given, giving an eulogy at a memorial service when he decided to share the gospel. At the end of his message, Stan told the mourners, You never know when God is going to take your life. At that moment, there's nothing you can do about it. Are you ready? Then Stan sat down, fell over, and died. His wife and sons tried to resuscitate him, but there was nothing they could do. Just as Stan had said a few minutes earlier, I'll never forget receiving that phone call and heading over to the Gerlach house. Stan's wife, Susie, was just arriving home. She hugged me and cried. One of her sons, John, stepped out of the car weeping. He asked me, Did you hear the story? Did you hear? I'm so proud of him. My dad doing what, he'd, what he'd loved. he loved. My dad died doing what he loved doing most. He was telling people about Jesus. I was asked to share a word with everyone gathered. There were children, grandchildren, neighbors, and friends. I opened my Bible to Matthew ten thirty-two, thirty-three. 33. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. I ask everyone to imagine what it must have felt like for Stan. One moment, he was at a memorial service saying to a crowd, This is who Jesus is. The next, he was before God, hearing Jesus say, this is who Stan Garlick is, Gerlach is. is. One second, he was confessing Jesus. A second later, Jesus was confessing him. It happens that quickly, and it could happen to any of us in the words of Stan Gerlach. Are you ready? Do you want to see the Savior with unforgiven sin in your life? Do you want to see Jesus with saying, I'm not going to forgive? If you don't forgive, there's a root that, That settles in. What is that root? Bitterness. Bitterness Bitterness will rot your soul. And women, we have the corner on bitterness. Two little boys play in the sand. They knock each other's heads. They cry. They get up. And what do they do again? They're over it. They're over it. Three little girls, especially. Three little girls cannot play together. (laughs) I was a manager for years, and I knew better than to put three women in one office, it was going to be cat fight. Three little girls, let's don't be her friend today. For the third little girl. Tomorrow, let's don't be her friend tomorrow. Grudge. Girls have a tendency to carry grudges. We're grown-ups now. Well, most of us are pretty grown-up. Some of you are pretty young out there. I'm really grown over. (laughs) (laughs) We should know by now. I don't know if I'm going to finish this tonight. Right? You don't know if you're going to go home tomorrow. Do you want that when you meet the Lord? That you weren't willing to forgive. I don't want to get into the third session. I'm going to be making myself crazy here in a minute if I do that. The last one is thank you. Preparing for retreats is dangerous. So if anybody ever asks you to do it, just know you're the one who's going to get the working over long before you get to retreat. If you're the Sunday school teacher, who learns the most? Sunday school teacher. I was writing this and I'm thinking about thank you and I'm going to know I'm going to talk to you about thanking your friend. Oh, she knows I'm thankful. (laughs) You just have the best friend who knows everything. (laughs) When was the last time you said thank you to your close friend for being your friend? I sat there typing and I just, you know, God just would not let go. There's a friend. Her name is Irma. Irma was in our church in Indianola. We moved. Irma moved. Irma came to our church in Urbandale. Irma and I have been friends, I think it's like 20, let's see, be 30, well, 30-some years. Not once had I ever simply thanked her for being my friend. Our friendship has waxed and waned. I went to her Sunday night a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, after working on this. And I sat down beside her and said, Irma, I have an apology to make. And she said, what would you do? (laughs) You have to know Irma to know. That's just words that would come right out of her mouth. It's what I didn't do, Irma. What didn't you do? I have never simply said thank you for being my friend. She's not necessarily my closest friend. She's been a long-time friend. She kind of looked at me and, well, why do you want to say thank you? And I told her, I said, I'm working on this retreat, and God has just convicted me. I always knew you would pray for me if I asked you to pray for something. We have shared things that we haven't shared with other people. And I've never thanked you for being there to be my She looked at me, and her eyes got kind of big, and she said, You're welcome. I'm sorry I haven't always been the friend that you've needed, but I still want to be your friend. It saddens me to think that we just assume so much. You know, God gave you your friends. You may think you made them on your own. God brought these people into your lives for a reason. How hard is it to say thank you? Thank you for walking in when the world walks out. We have some friends, Sherry and Marlon Bergman. You know who they are. We've had some really difficult times. Our son decided he didn't want anything to do with the Lord when he turned 18. When he left, we didn't even know where he was. Marlon and Sherry came alongside. They're younger than we are. Most everybody is, but they, (laughs) they came alongside, and they listened, and they loved us, and they didn't judge us. And as another little parenthesis, please don't judge people when their children walk away from the Lord. Adam and Eve had the perfect parent, God. And they chose to disobey. They've gone through times of turmoil in the church, but we knew they always stood beside us. Last Tuesday, this past Tuesday, Cherry and I went to Cedar Rapids, which is about two and a half hours away, to visit a young lady in her early 30s who'd had a brain tumor for 10 years. It was on the the brain stem. If any of you know anything, that's where you control everything. And they finally had to remove it. And in so doing, she is now a quad. So we talked all the way up and all the way back. I don't think we used any gas at all. But one of the sweetest things, is Sherry had no idea what I was going to be saying. She knew some of this stuff, but she had not really. She knew just a, a few brief details. We got out of the car, and she put her arm around me, and she said, Thank you for going with me today, and thank you for being my friend. Do you know what that meant to me? I treasure her as a friend. Do you treasure your friends? Proverbs 17, 17 says what? A friend loves at Not just when it's easy. Have you thanked your friend for loving you? I told you I wanted you to be have an action plan. Now, I hope that some of you have thought of people that you need to tell some words to. A friend. And I'm so hoping that, that I stamped 150 cards for you. They're not pretty. They're blank in the middle for a reason. They're back there on that pink covered table. I'm hoping that you'll take a card with you tonight. And one of the four things with a friend. I love you. What was the next one? Please forgive me. What was the next one? And the last one. You're good listeners. I hope you realize that in redeeming the time, you don't know how long you have to say those words. That chapter that's in this book that says you might not finish this chapter. Do you want your friend to leave, to die, without hearing those words? Do you want to face the Lord without hearing saying those words? I don't. This has made me think about my words to my friends. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And I forgive you. Father, I thank you so much for each lady. I thank you for their patience. I know they're tired. They have <coughs> they have driven some of them a long way. They have been at work. They've left children at home and and husbands at home, and family members at home to be here. I pray that you will help them tonight to just look through their hearts to see if somebody needs to hear those words. We want to honor you. We, we know our time is short. None of us know if we're, we're all one heartbeat away from being with you. We want to be able to face you knowing that we have used these words appropriately. In Jesus' name. Amen.